This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. Keisha Knight-Polium has grown up on TV, playing characters on shows like The Cosby Show to Tyler Perry's House of Pain. They know Rudy. They know Miranda. I've been in the business literally for 36 years. Keisha's an actress, philanthropist, foodie, and now hosts of her own podcast. This is an opportunity for you, my friends, my fans, to get to know me, just Keisha. This is Candidly Keisha. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. It is Friday yet again, and I'm really excited. Um, And those of you who listen to the podcast and who know me know that when it comes to not just paying it forward, but being an active advocate and a voice in the community, and my biggest thing is always being a voice for those whose voice is unable to be heard. Mm. And how can we continue to advocate and realize that it's bigger than our individual lives, our individual story, but it's about the collective. So around the country, as you know, November 7th is only a couple days away. And here, living in the city of Atlanta, I actually live outside of the city, um, but the city of Atlanta is a really, really important mayoral race that um, is very very heated. There are a lot of people running, and I'm grateful to have Caesar Mitchell, our, C- our um, count- city council president, here with us at Candidly. Keisha, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Morehouse graduate. Yes, yes. Bruh. Yes. All of yes, those but things. So raw. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, when I was thinking about it, and like I said, I actually live outside of the city, so mm-hmm. I don't vote in this race. Mm-hmm. However, I also recognize how important whoever is leading the city of Atlanta is. Mm -hmm. And everyone is, so who are you voting for? What's going on? What's your opinion? And I thought it would be really interesting. What I can definitely say is I'm not, I wouldn't vote for Mary Norwood. I'm just going to be very clear and transparent about that. Mm -hmm. She's not one of the people who are on my list um, because she doesn't reflect the values and the things that are important to me Mm -hmm. um, in terms of in the city of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. However, I know there are a lot of people, she's kind of the front runner at this point, according to polls, but we'll get into this whole polls business because those are very interesting to me too. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, I wanted to create a platform in this show um, just to give people the information because my thing is get out and vote. It's not my business who you desire to vote for, but vote and be informed. So I wanted to ensure that I could have you as well as Keisha Lance Bottoms who are two of the vying for it. Like you guys are in this race. Mm -hmm. And so tell me why. Why should Atlanta, why should we vote for you? Well, first of all, I'm someone who loves this city. I was born and raised right here uh, in this city. Uh, I've served on the city council uh, now for 15 years, eight of those years as city council president. Mm -hmm. Uh, I bring a strong 
uh, background of leadership, not just in city government, but mm-hmm. certainly as a lawyer here in the community, someone who's engaged in the business community, someone who's provided leadership uh, in the civic community, having led nonprofits in this city, led bar associations in this city, worked uh, on the community level uh, in leadership around affordable housing development with community development corporations. So for me, it's about leadership, mm-hmm. but it's also about having a real track record. Uh, when I uh, uh, think back on my time in elected office and my time really as mm-hmm. a, a professional, young professional here in this city, uh, I have a real track record of getting things done. Uh, and that track record includes working very closely with our young people in this city, getting them ready for college and career. Served 7,000 mm-hmm. kids and, 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 and their parents uh, in my college prep series over the last 12 years. That's not even in my job description mm-hmm. as council president. I do it because I love this city and I love uh, the young people of, of our city. Uh, so it's about leadership, but it's also about having a strong track record of getting things done, a track record that I stand on, mm-hmm. uh, not someone else's track record, but my track record. Uh, and then the third thing is I have a heart for service. Uh, I've always looked uh, and believed uh, and looked for ways to serve because when you serve, that's the best way you can show uh, love for someone else, love for your community, love for uh, people who uh, certainly are facing critical needs that they need met. Uh, And so for me, I believe this race is about, uh, of course, addressing all the issues and tackling the great responsibilities and opportunities. But it's going to boil down to who's ready to lead day one. Mm -hmm. It's going to boil down to who knows how to bring the most people together uh, to get things done. And I dare say that I am uh, the candidate Mm -hmm. uh, who can best do that starting day one and continuing throughout my term. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And I know... Part of it's because, you know, people say, oh, I'm on city council and I'm the city council president. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I was like, "Okay, wait, let me Google this. What exactly does the city council president Mm -hmm. do? Because, you know, in in school, you learn about branches of government. You learn in a loose format. But Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, after time, a lot of people kind of hear the titles, but they don't understand what the responsibilities are of the job. And so pretty much you've been the vice mayor. Mm -hmm. Is that what like that was in like layman's terms when I read it, I was like, because you work directly with the mayor of Atlanta, um, and you're the tie-breaking vote on any city council issues, just to give those listeners out there, because I know I'm not the only person who's been like, let me Google this and make sure that I have a clear understanding. Mm-hmm. So with that, what are some of the things that you feel um, need to happen differently in the city? Well, first of all, I'll say as city council president, certainly uh, i lead the the legislative branch. It's it's one of the two major branches in city government, uh, and there's a balance of power. Uh, The legislative branch Mm -hmm. essentially puts forth legislation, passes the city budget, and really creates a check and balance for the administration or the executive branch. Uh, In my time as council president, I I believe I've provided strong leadership. The council uh, has been a a very effective council. Mm -hmm. We've gotten the people's business uh, done, but that's really only been a part of right. of 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 my role. I mean, mm-hmm. there are specific things I do as council mm-hmm. president, like appoint committees, mm-hmm. uh, as well as preside over meetings, serve in kind of what you would call kind of an administrative function, leading the administrative aspects of the city council. Uh, but for me, it's about being much more, mm-hmm. and I believe our city going forward needs. Uh, a certain tone of leadership that certainly is not afraid uh, to lead collaboratively with others. Uh, So when I'm mayor, I'm not going to lead alone. I sit on the board of the Atlanta Regional Commission. 
I also sit on the board of the Georgia Municipal Association. Uh, these are organizations that are regional in scope and statewide in scope. So uh, what I'll bring to the table is uh, real relationships, hands-on relationships with regional leaders and statewide uh, leaders to really get things done because we've got to work together. Mm-hmm. Atlanta cannot be an island uh, unto itself. And I believe uh, I'm ready to get that done. I'm prepared right. to get it done right now. So I'll bring a collaborative spirit of leadership. I'll also bring what I believe uh, a spirit of working from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my time in office, uh, I've, I've never thought it beneath me to do something as simple as a community cleanup. I've had mm-hmm. something called a clean green team. Uh, I've never thought it beneath me to do something as simple as a public safety walk through the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we address issues in the community, walking hand-in-hand with residents. For six years, I've had a program called Atlanta Back to Business, where we work with small business owners, because small business owners Mm -hmm. uh, or small businesses are the employers of the majority of Americans, Mm -hmm. uh, not big corporations. And so I've had a program for six years providing greater opportunities for small businesses. So I believe as mayor, uh, I'll certainly uh, bring every skill I have to bear as a lawyer. I practice law with the second largest firm in the world. Uh, and I practice law at the highest levels, but I, I truly believe uh, that getting things done in a city uh, can get best done when you bring people together, mm-hmm. you leverage the talents and skills of, of everyone, people on the community level, uh, and that you are not afraid to do things from the ground up. And that's the way I've served in my time in office. Mm-hmm. That's how I'll serve. Excuse me. Serve uh, as mayor of this city. I believe that leadership requires a spirit of service. Mm. I definitely agree with the service piece of things. Um, I guess my question would then also be like, what you know, how every person coming into office they run on kind of a these are my projects. These are this is my platform in terms of the things that I would like to. Um, accomplish during my term? What are some of the things that you would like to accomplish, um, whether it be, you know, legislate? Like, what are some of those things that you would like Absolutely. to? Absolutely. I'm going to create an unprecedented partnership between the city of Atlanta and the school system. Uh, I am a son of an Atlanta public schools teacher. Uh, I'm the Husband, my wife, is yeah. an Atlanta public schools teacher. My grandmother was a public school teacher as well. Mm-hmm. In my time in office, I've been very focused on education. When I'm mayor, we're going to have an unprecedented focus and partnership with uh, with APS. And so what that means is that we're going to do planning together. We're going to do joint purchasing together. We're going to make sure that we are working and utilizing our recreation centers to help uh, kids have strong after-school programs. We're going to create additional pathways to success beyond college mm-hmm. uh, for our young people in this city because I want every child to graduate from high school, college ready, career ready, as well as being ready to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we can accomplish that if we, if we work together. So education uh, and youth enrichment is going to be a, 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 a focal point okay. of my administration. Uh, also, uh, we have a significant, uh, what I would call, crisis of affordable housing in this city. Uh, And in my practice of law, uh, I'm a real estate attorney. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my work on council, I passed significant legislation creating affordable housing in the city. Uh, As mayor, I'm going to double down on that. I'm going to make sure that we are utilizing every partnership we can create, every policy we can muster together, uh, and really every uh, initiative that we can create, like Blight to Light. It's an idea I have. We take vacant and abandoned homes in the city and we create 20,000 affordable units. Well, we partner with the Atlanta Housing Authority. Uh, MARTA 
and with even um, the school system to create another 20,000 affordable units on these properties. And where we put in place good, strong policies like inclusionary zoning, uh, policies that really keeps, keep people's taxes mm-hmm. in tow and check so they're not displaced so we can create another 10,000 affordable units uh, in this city. So I'm going to double down on affordable housing, affordable living, because when the community is affordable uh, and when, when people can stay in a city close to where they work, uh, then we have people who are more civically engaged. Yeah, because this traffic in Atlanta is no joke. Absolutely. That's one of the. <laughs> no one of joke. The, what you're going to do about yeah, traffic? Well, one of the, <laughs> the first thing we can do to address traffic is, is create affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's whether you're in Buckhead, Midtown, Downtown, or wherever, because if people can live close to where they work, they don't have to use their cars. I'm, you know, I live in historic West End with my right. family, my wife and our three children. We have two daughters who are six and five and a newborn baby boy who's eight. 18 weeks old. Yeah. Uh, we live pretty much in Congratulations. town. Thank you. And when I first started practicing law back here in town, I lived a block away from where I worked and my car never really got used. Mm-hmm. So affordable living is incredibly important to addressing traffic uh, and reducing congestion. But we've got to make sure we support uh, strong transit in this city. And that will be a priority of mine. And I'll bring to, to bear every relationship I have around the region, mm-hmm. around the state, at the state legislature, to move the needle on that in partnership. And so, you know, beyond education and affordability and certainly addressing the issue of, of, of uh, traffic and transportation, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be very focused on making our neighborhoods safe. I believe when opportunity goes up, crime goes down. Mm-hmm. And when crime goes down, quality of life goes up. So one of the fundamental things we've got to do around in- increasing quality of life is making our neighborhoods safer, making our neighborhoods uh, cleaner, making our neighborhoods greener. I have an idea. Uh, people always ask, what are you going to do in the first 100 days? I'll tell you one thing we're going to do. Uh, we're going to assemble 100 city employees. We're going to be committed for 100 days to clean up 100 square miles of this city so that after the first 100 days, Everyone in this city will know and feel that our city is 100% cleaner because we picked up trash on the ground. What do you say to the people who are like, why should I go vote? Like, I feel like there's this weird undercurrent of people who feel like their vote doesn't matter that choose not to vote. What would you say to those people? Well, first of all, I do more than just say I'll go see them. Uh Uh, You know, just last week I went and saw a lady named Miss Anderson down in South Atlanta. Uh, who was who who was thinking about not voting, uh, and this is a lady who who has been voting for forty years mm-hmm. at least, and and so I said I'm going to come see you. I said you may vote for any somebody else, but I want to come and see you just to encourage you to vote because if you don't vote, then that's going to send a signal to other young to young people that maybe I don't need to vote. It's going to send a signal to an entire community where you have a lot of influence that voting doesn't matter. So I'll come see you and say, listen, your vote uh, not only counts, it makes a difference. What is at stake for like you know the city of Atlanta in terms of this race? Um, because there are varying opinions and you know directions for the city so like to put it very simply for the person like for you not voting like this is what's at stake 
Well, what's at stake is 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 having strong leadership mm-hmm. uh, that knows how to partner and create better educational outcomes for our young people, and who will be connected and focused and have authentic connections mm-hmm. to kids in public schools in this city. Uh, there's no one in this race other than I that has that. Okay. Uh, this race is really about making sure that small business owners and entrepreneurs have access to capital and that they're not being ignored because you have this trickle down theory on economics mm-hmm. when we really need a ground-up uh, theory on economics that supports small businesses. Uh, I've been a small business owner. I, in my law practice, have supported uh, small businesses, and I've had a program for six years called Back to Business, supporting small businesses, thousands of businesses in this city. Uh, that's what's at stake, leadership that is going to be truly and authentically connected to the people, connected to our young people, protecting our seniors, protecting small businesses. That is what is at stake. Uh, there are a lot of candidates in this race who kind of attend Gently, you know, connected or kind of mm-hmm. too high and lofty or look down on others. Uh, and that's just not me. What's at stake is having an authentic leader uh, who lives in the community, uh, who touches young people, mm-hmm. who touches seniors, who embraces small businesses. That's really what is at stake. And that's not just about a now conversation. That's a generational conversation uh, that we've got to have right now right here at November 7th. Got it. And last question, because, you know, Atlanta has actually become, you know, probably, I think we've, I think, isn't it recently we are bigger than, like, have done more productions in in, in dollars in the entertainment business even than, like, we're up there, like, with even California at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, I don't know if we've surpassed them. I, that was a my quote, so don't t- don't quote me on that. I know someone's going to be like, no, actually, statistically, it says this. But the bottom line is we are very much in the game mm-hmm. when it comes to um, production, television, movie. You know, we have so many studios that are moving here. There has been an amazing tax incentive that mm-hmm. has created the space. Um, what is your standpoint or like how do you envision moving forward to continue to build that relationship? Um, but also I know some people kind of with the city of Atlanta are seeing, you know, movie sets pop up in the landscape of the the community or the city of Atlanta change so much. What is your take, I guess, on the film industry and well, its partnership with Georgia? Well, we've absolutely got to uh, continue to bolster the industry. When we do that, we're going to create more jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to create more opportunities in front of and behind the camera as you uh, well, no, I'm very excited about this. My niece, who's a graduate of Spelman uh, college, Spelman is, college, she's out at the conservatory in San Francisco right now. She wants to be an actress. Okay. Uh, she wants to be in film and in theater. And I want her to be back here in Atlanta. Yeah. So I want to create a city where there's an opportunity for her to grow and thrive in, in the craft and in trade. In the trade. Uh, I've also been honored to receive the endorsement of OTSI, which mm-hmm. is the film production union. Uh, and they've placed their confidence in me and my candidacy and the leadership that I'll bring. Uh, I truly believe if we can continue to build out the film production industry in the city of Atlanta, we're going to create uh, what we call kind of the collateral business opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, stronger pro- post and pre-production opportunities. And when we do that, I think that creates more opportunities for our young people, more opportunities for people in this city to get jobs, jobs that they can enjoy, and jobs that they can celebrate, jobs that allow them to feed their family and have a sense of pride mm-hmm. uh, in their community. Uh, and then also beyond that, uh, you know, I met with folks with the, from the Grammys yesterday, mm-hmm. and we talked about how we can create linkages between uh, film production and, and music, music through music scores and the mm-hmm. like. And I think we have an, a wonderful opportunity. I believe I have uh, a broad enough view 
deep enough relationships, a strong enough understanding of these industries, uh, not only as an elected official, but also as a business person, as someone who's a lawyer and understands these things, uh, to really bring these industries together, strengthen these industries, create more jobs, create more opportunities, really make our city a place that is even more attractive for visitors. Uh, and I think the, the future is bright. When I'm mayor, we're going to lead the charge, and we're going to make sure that we're uh, that shining star for, for film. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, and I don't, you know, I'm thank you for coming in. Um, how can people? I know we're at the last bit, but where can people find out more information about you, support you? Um, you know, where, where? Just tell people. People are listening, so Absolutely. where would you direct uh, them? You can find. You can go to CaesarForMayor.com. Okay. Uh, you can find me at CaesarForMayor and kind of out in social mm-hmm. media. Uh, and you can uh, just just ping me there, and you can reach me. You know, and I just would like to say uh, here as we close, uh, this race is a serious race. Yeah. This is a race for the soul of our city, for the future of our city, for our young people, uh, and for the senior citizens who've given everything and, sa- and sacrificed for so many years to make our city great. Uh, I am the only person in this race who can win in a runoff. Uh, I am the only Democrat who can win this race in a runoff. I've been citywide uh, four terms, Mm -hmm. uh, four elections, never lost an election. Uh, I will be able to garner support on the east side, on the north side, in the same way I can on the south side. Uh, And I'll be able to build a strong coalition uh, in a runoff to get to the finish line for the people of of this city. So I'm looking forward to this race on Tuesday, and I'm really excited to have a a lot of people like Ambassador Young, C.T. Vivian, uh, and others, a lot of unions that have supported and are supporting my campaign. And I think that says a lot about where we're going and what we're trying to do. Yeah, you definitely touched on something. There are a lot of people that are running in this election, and um, it's going to be crazy. And this, the polls, they you know say different things, but ultimately you really have to just make sure that you get out and you exercise your right to vote and not be discouraged um, by what they're saying based on a small sampling of people. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, their polls are everywhere. I mean, <laughs> polls right, are everywhere. There, was a, there were two polls that were done at the exact same time, completely different. Uh, results, you know. I just right. encourage people to go out and vote your conscience, and you'll probably yes. and you will definitely have two chances to vote. So if you think you got it wrong <laughs> the first time, you'll you have a chance to get right it right the second time. Hilarious. So vote your con- vote your conscience on November seventh. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for taking time, and um, I appreciate it, and I hope that we are providing a platform for to make politics more accessible, mm-hmm. more conversational, because I feel like. Our society and people, like in general, kind of feel like it's up over there somewhere, mm-hmm. and they don't realize how connected it is to our daily lives, to mm-hmm. our success in life, to our families. You know, not just financial, but mm-hmm. it's connected in so many different ways. And I really want to create an environment where people feel um, that they can come back to it and to really be a part of it, have their voice heard, and more than anything, make informed decisions. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know when, you know, my father was an Atlanta police mm-hmm. officer. He passed away when I was just about to turn 10 years old. Oh. And I'll tell you, it was the village we call Atlanta that made a difference. And that's where you have elected leaders coming together with community leaders, civic leaders coming together uh, with neighborhood leaders, and really working with the business community and others to really make this city a place where every kid can grow up and thrive and know that this city is working hard for them. That's what I want to do as mayor, because this city made me 
who I am and it's given me a chance to serve and I want to keep on serving. Well, thank you. Um, this is Candidly Keisha. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more on this hot Atlanta race. Stay tuned. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. Welcome back to Candidly Keisha. It is Friday. And we are gearing up for a really, really important race here, well, around the the country, but in Atlanta. I live in Atlanta. I've been a resident um, of, I live in the suburbs. I'm actually a Fayette County resident, but the mayoral race in Atlanta is very, very important. Um, And I wanted to create a platform, as I said earlier, an opportunity for people to just get the information. So we just said goodbye to Cesar Mitchell, who is one of the candidates for mayor here in Atlanta. And now I'd like to welcome Keisha Lance Bottoms. I, I like your name, girl. Oh, thank you, Keisha. Great name, great name, great name. Lipstick color, too. She comes in the studio. We even have the same lipstick color on. I guess, you know, great minds, I guess, think alike. But Soror, um, graduate of FAMU. I've lived here. You're from Atlanta, born and raised. That's right. So I'm going to ask you the same questions. Um, Why should people vote for you for mayor? Well, thank you for having me, Keisha. And it was a joy to see your cutie pie outside. Um, And that's really what this race is all about. It's not about just us. It's about our children Mm -hmm. and our children's children. And I've shared quite a bit that uh, for me, running for mayor really has been about my four children. Mm -hmm. Um, They are the four reasons, Lance, Langston, Lincoln, and Lennox. Because I know what this city meant for me when my family faced very challenging times. I've shared very publicly that Atlanta is a tale of two cities. I'm the only candidate who's lived and worked in both those places. I know what it's like to be a child in this city, watching your mother struggle for the basics, Mm -hmm. keeping the water on, keeping gas in the car, keeping food on the table. But I also know what's possible on the other side of those challenges. And my life really is a testament to that. When you have a city and a community working together to make sure that there are opportunities, solid education for our children. Mm -hmm. And it's the reason that I sit here today. Nelson Mandela said education is the most powerful weapon that can be used to change the world. And I firmly believe that because there was so much buy-in and investment in me as a child from my community and from my teachers, mm-hmm. um, that it made me, it made it possible for me to see beyond my circumstances. And that's what leadership in this city is all about. What's our agenda? Who sets the agenda? Uh, what's really our moral compass? And I know what I want this city to be for my children, and it can't be great for my children if it's not great for yours and everybody else's children and community. Yeah. And I want to touch on something from the beginning, because I know this campaign has had its share of smear and dirt. And one thing that when I was, you know, doing my research before this that kept coming up is about this damn water bill. And I just want to give you, because when I saw it immediately, I was like, well, clearly there was some kind of dispute because I've been there with the water company when they send you this crazy bill. And then they're like, yes, you owe me one million dollars. And you're like, but wait, only three people live here. We only took a shower a day. Help me understand. Can you clear that up for me? Yeah, I think that it's politics at its dirtiest. Uh, the, The part on that water bill that really was not, shared Mm -hmm. is one I paid the bill every single month Mm -hmm. and what I've determined is I think there's a bit of a cultural disconnect Mm -hmm. on that part because I know a lot of families Mm -hmm. who pay their bills 
that way. You pay, as my mama used to say, you put something on it you every month. on it. <laughs> and because our water bills fluctuate in the city of Atlanta so that I can budget and make sure that the bill is paid every month, I pay 150 and then if I see that my our, my bills kind of risen over the year, I'll pay 200 every month, and now I'll pay two, 300 every month. So the part of the story that was not shared last year, I overpaid the bill seven times. Mm-hmm. Um, and my water bill was the only bill that was given to the media. Right. And the truth of the matter is there's several council members who pay their bill the exact same way, and there are thousands of people in the city of Atlanta who pay their bill the same way. It's, you know, the our water department doesn't require that you zero out every month. So mm-hmm. sometimes with my bill in particular, I carry a credit. And Listen, you know, then, I get it. I don't feel like I just wanted to address that because I thought it asked. was like silly that we're talking about this water bill. I get it. You know, people are trying to pull the correlation of how can we trust you to balance the budget of a whole city versus, you know, budget if you can't budget this. But I also understand that things happen, that life happens, and I don't know that there's any person in the world who hasn't had a bill go overdue. That's and, just yeah. what it is. <laughs> and my bill spiked to $800 in November. Okay. So in November, I continued to pay the $200 a and month that I always paid, yeah. and I reported it. And yeah. I didn't go through some extensive channels. I picked up the phone, and I called the water department like an average citizen. I said, my bill is $800. What happened? They said, let us investigate. And it took a few months, and then they realized it was an error on the city's Can end. I tell you, I've had that situation myself where there's been a water issue, and you get this astronomical bill. And it's a process. You do have to call. You have to talk to 50, 11 people and finally get to the right person who can thoroughly investigate it and look at it. And you have I've like had to pull the comparisons of the water analysis in this community and what Absolutely. the average should be. I've been there. So I just wanted to you know, ask you that. But that's, you know, we're here to talk way more about then we're here to talk way more um, in depth than just like a water bill. So my next question would be to you, what is your plan for the city of Atlanta? And I'm glad that you asked about the water and I'm going to move on from that because it really is an effort for people to distract what the real issues are in this Mm -hmm. city. And what uh, my mother says to me all the time is, if the water bill is the most they had to talk about, then you doing something right. (laughs) Then you must be doing something right. Um, But in terms of my vision for this city, Keisha, the number one issue facing us right now is lack of opportunity in education. And although we don't have direct oversight over our, our public schools, it impacts everything. I was a judge for six years. The thing that always struck me when primarily African-American men would come before me and they fill out an application for a public defender, probably 95% of them had not finished ninth grade. Mm-hmm. What that says to me is the problem doesn't start when you're 19 and you're 20 and you're standing before a judge. The problem starts when you're in third grade and you can't read. Well, if you can't read in third grade or if it's in kindergarten and your teachers are pouring all these things into you and they're sending you home into chaos, then you're just layering on problems. So it's not just about education for our young people and our resources for our young people, but what are we doing for our communities as a whole? If it's, I, I say quite a bit, it's about meeting and enhancing our communities at their point of need. Is it that there's a drug abuse issue? Are there mental health issues? Are there basic issues like mama is in between a job Mm -hmm. and we don't have enough to eat every day? 
Is it uh, Georgia has a 40% low literacy rate. Mm -hmm. So what that says is educating our young people, making sure that they have a solid foundation school in schools, one piece. But then we got to make sure that we're helping their parents at their point of need. What do we do to help round out this equation? And at the end of the day, when we address all of these issues, our city is going to get better as a whole. I talk a lot about the difference in our schools on the north side and the south side. We talk about traffic in the city of Atlanta. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there is an intersection of all of our issues. So if you have a young child, if you are looking for a house, mm -hmm. you likely will not choose a house in southwest Atlanta because you're thinking about where am I going to educate my child. You're going to move somewhere with a good school system. So if you're moving to Fayette County or you're moving to Buckhead, then when a company gets ready to come and they want to bring a headquarters here, they are likely going to move where their workforce is. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have businesses that are going to locate where families are. So then you create an imbalance in the city. You talk about economic development, affordable housing, crime, crime lack of education opportunity intersection, our traffic patterns, economic development intersection with our schools and our families, they all overlap. And as mayor, we really have to be able to tackle all of these issues at once. I just left um, a meeting just before coming here talking about our homeless issue and the progress that we're making in that area and what as the next mayor needs to do to help push that forward. There is such a need in our community for true involvement and resources and collaboration. And as we look around the city and we see this great development that's going on throughout the city physically, it really is about us digging back in into our communities and improving our communities on a person-by-person -person basis. Got it. Um, what do you say to the person that, because so many, I feel like just in general, there's the sentiment of so many people don't vote. So many people may look at a poll or, and I was, but right when I came in, um, it's, it's Cato at Liberty, correct? Is that the um, Cato, um, Cato K, the Cato Institute did this whole um, study on polling and, you know, people and their freedom to share their viewpoints and just kind of where we are. And, it, you know, they found that like 51% of staunch liberals say it's morally acceptable to punch a Nazi. Like diff different indicators of how people see things differently um, versus I'm trying to see. Basically, it says the Cato 2017 Free Speech and Tolerance Survey, a new national poll of – 2,300 U.S. adults find that 71% of Americans believe that political correctness has silenced important discussions our society needs to have. The consequence are personal. 58% of Americans believe the political climate prevents them from sharing their own political beliefs. And that was part of why I wanted to have this is because so many people out there don't feel comfortable sharing what they believe, and they feel like a lot of the candidates, um, it's about being transparent about exactly where you stand and ensuring that who you're voting for is in alignment with that. And a lot of times people, and I'm getting to back to my point of, some people just feel like, well, what's the point of voting anyway? They're all alike. What do you say to that person who's like, why should I even bother voting? You know, why? I mean, I know why it's important to me, but I feel like why would you say, why would you tell that person who's sitting at home, like, it doesn't matter to me, 
a Mary Norwood, a Keisha Lance Bottoms, a Caesar Mitchell, or whoever else is in the race, they're all the same person. How are you different, and what would you say to them? I think that we can look no further than the national level, Mm -hmm. and we know that there's a silent majority out there that turned out for the polls, um, that turned out to vote in the presidential election in a way that most conscientious people did not. And you look at where we are as a nation now, and you look at a president who has the ability to appoint a Supreme Court justice. So the highest court in the land. Highest court in the land, a lifetime appointment. Yes. So his appointments to this court will impact us for generations, long after he's gone yes. from office. And when we look on a local level and we look at decisions that have to be made for our communities, for our families, for our children, this is why it should matter. And this goes back to what I've said about Atlanta being a tale of two cities. When I talk about issues in our communities, I'm not talking about it in the abstract. I'm talking about what I know. I was in a community meeting recently, and uh, one of the uh, candidates from the north side of town wanted to school me, if you will, would about Campbellton Road. Mm -hmm. And I, I looked at her, I said, I know what it's like to walk down Campbellton Road with a gas can in your hand because your mother's run out of gas. So don't tell me about Campbellton Road and what the needs are for Campbellton Road because I know it in a way that nobody else knows it. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about schools and the ability of education to change lives, I missed the first two days of middle school because my mother didn't have gas money, mm-hmm. didn't have money to get our car repaired for me to go to school. So I'm sharing this because... I know what a difference leadership makes, and I know what a difference it makes in lives when people are at the table making decisions with our communities and our families in mind. The other part of that story, when I got to middle school, there was a teacher who believed that we could memorize Edgar Allan Poe, and when I did poor schoolwork, she would throw it in the trash, and I can still recite that poetry to this day. And that's the difference between me and the other candidates. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about what I've read. I'm not talking about what I've observed. I'm talking about what I've lived. Mm-hmm. And I sit here today as a lawyer. I facilitated the sale of Turner Field. Um, I was a judge for six years. And I know what's on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I know what's possible when we have good, solid leadership and we have somebody who understands it and is not just saying it because it's a great soundbite or it looks good on the campaign trail. This is what I've lived. This is real life. My qu- Okay, you just led me to another good What are, because I know that's the other, um, I guess, debate going on in terms of leadership. So what is... Why do you feel you're a strong leader? Like, why do you feel, explain to people um, in terms of leading this city, the qualifications that you have to do so? What I say to that, Keisha, is not just about what we say we will do, but what have we done? Mm-hmm. And I, um, I consider myself an accidental politician, if you will. The way that I came into running for office in 2008, I challenged a sitting Superior Court judge from Buckhead. One, I didn't didn't have sense enough to know I wasn't supposed to do it. I just knew that he (laughs) wasn't doing a good job, and I challenged him. But 
it took me to communities all across the county, and I realized what solid leadership looked like mm-hmm. and what it meant for communities. And so when I ran for city council in 2008, I really just wanted to make my community better. And I can say that I sleep very well at night because what I've done for Southwest Atlanta, the thing I'm most proud of is I've raised our level of expectation. I have an initiative called Invest in Southwest. It's been a comprehensive approach to community redevelopment, economic redevelopment. We have at least three new restaurants that have come into Southwest Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, also looking at partnerships with our schools. I partner with some of the elementary schools. One we did something. We gave a we did a bike giveaway to get people out on the Beltline so that people could understand the value of their homes on the Beltline and make use of this great asset that's changing the entire city. Landscape of the city. The mm-hmm. entire city. Um, expansion of light rail. People talk about the streetcar. It's not as successful as it should be downtown. I say it's because it goes places where people don't need it. Mm-hmm. So I fought for expansion of the streetcar. It's now going to come down. Lee Street, past Fort Mac, is going to turn on the Campbellton Road, go past Greenbrier, Barge mm-hmm. Road, Park and Rod. And the reason that's important, because we have a, a trim- It connects the city, the people to downtown also exactly. in, the, in, the, in this, the city center. Because what a lot of people don't realize, and I'm glad that you said that about Atlanta, is that it's two, it is two cities. It's very disconnected. You know, now with the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, it has kind of encroached on, you know, the West End community encroached on the historically African-American communities. But having gone to Spelman College, you know, lived there while I was in college and done a lot of work in that immediate community um, with university homes, Harris homes, like all of those homes that mm-hmm. used to surround that, realizing how many kids, it was like at that point, there was a cut through street. Like you could, two, one mile that way had never been downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it's the craziest thing because you're like, how have you never made it a mile down the road it's out of your neighborhood? Incredible, and that's and, and I'm so glad you've seen it and you understand it. Um, when I and uh, the streetcar is so important because it connects us to the rest of the world. I talk about the Beltline, this tremendous asset in this city, but sometimes I look at it and it looks like a Berlin Wall to me because there are communities that don't even know that they're within a mile. So when and people it's free. <laughs> and when people are getting flyers in their mailboxes saying, we'll pay cash for your house. They don't know what even the value of the house is yes. that they're getting cash for. I feel you. I took a I took a group of kids, Maya Angelou teens from the Young Family YMCA, on a trip to the Beltline. Because they had never even heard of the Beltline. So you've got people buying up houses in our underserved communities. Grandmama paid it off 30 years ago. And, and they're you give offering, her $50,000. You're like, good you. Lord. Not realizing it's the worth house. about $300,000, even though it hasn't been renovated since 1950. And that has really been what I've been pushing for from my city council seat. So when you ask about leadership, I've led in so many areas in my district, and I know that as a city as a whole, I know what our le- what we need in our leaders, and we need somebody who's fighting for our communities. Mm-hmm. And the tagline for my campaign is such an authentic tagline. It's keep Atlanta moving forward, but leave no one behind. Mm. Because it the divide in our city is getting greater by the day. And everything that I've done um, professionally and as a public servant has been about closing that divide, even as an attorney. I argued before the Supreme Court and got a ruling that changed the way that women can now receive child support payments. 
Those hey, are things. We may need to talk about that. No, well, sorry. Lump sum payments. <laughs> <laughs> you can now get a lump sum payment. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We don't need to talk about that one. But it's not just, it's not, for me, been about running for mayor. Mm-hmm. It's been about improving the lives of people every day. And I think that's what leadership is all yeah. about. And one and another thing that you said that's really important is, you know, the connectivity and showing people and bridging the gap between these two Atlantis is very important because if children don't, and this is something that I say, you know, to those who listen to Candidly Keisha through my nonprofit, the Camp Kizzy Foundation, I know you're um, familiar with it, is that if children don't know what exists, they don't know to dream it. Mm-hmm. So part of the process is the exposure to start that process of just the manifestation, the dream of knowing all that is so possible. Oh, we rise to the level of our expectations. And I'll, I'll tell you something funny. You mentioned you had another candidate before you. Um, I used to hang out with a group of guys, including that other candidate, uh, when we were in college. Mm-hmm. And they were all applying to law school. And I remember hanging out with them one day, and I said, oh, we're doing that now? Okay, well, yeah, I can be a lawyer too. It never dawned on me to apply to law school. But again, exposure. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know uh, many lawyers. I knew the people who had represented my dad when he went to prison, but I right. didn't know many attorneys. And um, I thought, wow, so this is something for me too, and something that simple. And that's the same thing for our kids, our level of expectation. I, I joke, I tell this story when my mom was really struggling as a single parent after my dad went to prison. We always ran out of gas, and I had a really good friend, and I, when her dad would pick us up, and I would sit in the back sink, mm-hmm. seat, and I was mesmerized by his full tank of gas. Mm-hmm. And I would go, when I get grown, I'm going to have a full tank of gas. You're always going to have full tank of gas. But big and small, our children do right. rise to our level of expectation for them. And, again, as a city, we have to set the bar so high, and then we have to make sure that we give them the tools that they need right. to to meet it and exceed it. Okay. And then last I'd like to say, because I do feel, you know, the whole keeping with the tale of two cities, there is, Atlanta is definitely, there are a lot of African-American people in this city. This is one of those um, cities that has been ours, for lack of a better way to say it. Um, And it's, there's a very, there's a very conservative majority that exists here that may not look like you and I, and for those people, why should they vote for you? What is it in terms of um, the key issues that matter to them? Um, How do you plan also to bridge the gap of these communities? Because I feel like with Trump being in office and with just kind of the climate from a political standpoint, the racial climate, how do you bring these communities together? The difference between Atlanta and many other cities is that we've always worked together across racial lines. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we all want the same things for our communities. I don't care if you're on the south side, north side. You still want great schools. You still want your community to be safe. You don't want to have to sit in traffic all day. You still want economic development and options in your community for a better life. So that transcends racial and social economic lines. The interesting conversation we're having in this city that's particular to Atlanta, even when we talk about gentrification, 
it's not even a white and black issue. Mm-hmm. There are black gentrifiers all across Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And that really is unique. And that and one thing that I do want to mention, uh, displacement-free zones, that's something that I went to city of Atlanta. I looked across the country. We were having this conversation about gentrification. I thought, well, we are not the first city to deal with this. How do we address it? I called upon the city of Atlanta to establish displacement-free zones. There's now a fund in place for Vine City English Avenue in conjunction with the Blank Foundation and some other partners Mm -hmm. that pays rising property taxes for the next 20 years. And um, also there's part of this fund helps people fix up their houses. So part of my plans for the city are an expansion of this and a a $1 billion affordability plan. $500 $500 million in private investment, $500 million in public investment. Renters' rights um, an initiative, also uh, a pathway to home ownership, 15-year lease to buy, pathway to home ownership for affordable housing. And those are the things that I really want to expound upon from my city council seat. But going back to the question of what this means to other communities, everybody cares about these issues. I don't care if I'm in a $900 million townhome development in Midtown, they're talking about gentrification. Mm -hmm. Because when people move to this city, black or white, they don't move to Atlanta for a monolithic existence. They move to Atlanta because it's diverse, because it's progressive, because that transcends racial lines in many ways. And people of means are concerned. One, many people don't like feeling responsible for pushing people out. Mm -hmm. Secondly, there's a business case. When we don't have affordability in this city, there's somebody who has to get to work to clean this building when you all leave. Yes. There's somebody who needs to go and work at the airport, uh, a 20, uh, around the clock schedule. There's somebody who has to be the waiter in the hotel. Businesses are struggling to have a workforce that can get to and from get work, to work. <laughs> which goes back to our transportation Traffic, issue right. and our connectivity, again, an intersection of these issues. So, Everybody cares about the same things. We may have different reasons that we care, but we all care about the same things. And I think at the end of the day, people want good, solid leadership, Mm -hmm. and they want leadership that understands it. And I don't think you can – I'll put my credit score up against anybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this race. I don't think you'll find somebody – more fiscally responsible than I am. Listen, you are a mother of four. I have one. You have, you, I, that's leadership at its best. <laughs> and I don't think people realize that, that leadership, it's not always about the title. It's, it's, it's about the capacity to do the work and to be able to multitask and to be able to address the needs of the masses and, and, and in a way that's empathetic and compassionate to each and every person. Absolutely. And I, and I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. I say that the you know, selling Turner feel easy being a judge, being a lawyer, city council, that's easy. When I go home is when the hard work <laughs> <laughs> begins. That's a really, really, really hard job. Like, and it's one that never, you don't get paid for. It never ends. You are yes. the boogeyman chaser. Like you a, are the medic. You are the school teacher. You are everything. At 3.30 yesterday, realizing I didn't have Halloween candy. Like, that's what stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> the rest, that's a piece of cake. I get it. Well, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to come. 
um, because you didn't have to. Well, thank you. And um, if there's anything else, like, I'm, oh, you know, the one thing that I did ask before that I would like to know, you know, with Atlanta being such a booming movie and television industry at this point, what is your take and stance on moving forward with that and continuing to create, you know, just continuing to grow that business and relationship? I've really enjoyed having conversations on this because I've learned so much about our film and entertainment mm-hmm. industry. And the part I didn't tell, I mentioned my dad. My dad was a singer who okay. came to perform here on the Chitlin Circuit. Okay. Uh, Royal Peacock stayed, rest wow. is history. So that really, um, care and concern for the entertainment industry is very personal to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's particularly as it relates to the film industry, what I keep hearing repeatedly is we are doing great on the production side, but not on the creative content side and yeah. having the ability to uh, make sure I have this right. Uh, green light yes. projects and that we really have to have more of an investment in the, in the intellectual and creative component of it. Yeah. And so I know that our film office is at capacity. It needs to be expanded. And I think that we also have to have a very active conversation and focus on what we are doing with the music industry as Mm -hmm. well and job training that there has to be creating spaces where you can pull from this community exactly not just importing it in certainly and so the community can have buy-in so when your street is closed down it's like a hometown brand when you think of coca-cola and you Mm -hmm. think of atlanta when you think of the falcons you think of atlanta I really want the city to have that thought process as it relates to our entertainment industry. This is something that belongs to us and something that's meaningful for us as a community. And I don't think you get that bringing people in from other places. It's got to be homegrown through and through. Got it. Well, thank you. And how can people, um, you know, we only have a couple days. I know early voting has already started, but... Um, where can people find out more information about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they, you know, all of the, let's get the business taken care of. <laughs> so KeishaLanceBottoms.com. And it's K-E-I. That's right. K-E-I-S-H-A <laughs> LanceBottoms.com and at Keisha Bottoms. I think um, my all of my social me- media handles, I have to look over and make Keisha.Bottoms on Facebook. Okay, that's it. <laughs> well, if you Google Keisha Lance Bottoms, it'll all come up. So thank you, thank you. I appreciate you. And thank this is Kinsley Keisha. This is Keisha with two Keishas. Who knew? I love it. <laughs> thank you, Keisha. Well, we will be right back um, next week, Friday, same place, same time. Have an amazing, amazing weekend. And guys, get out and vote. Just vote and find out the information. With the internet, there is no reason for you to say that you did not know what people stood for, who they were, who you should vote for. I'm not telling you who you should vote for, but I am telling you to be informed and make sure that you are putting people in office who represent what's important to you, your agenda, who are about, for me, it's about being inclusive. It's about integrity. It is about laying the foundation for my children's children. So make sure that you are going out there because the power really does lie within your hands. And um, don't sit back. You can't sit back and complain if you're not going to be a part of the process. So we'll be right back next Friday. Enjoy.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.